Mumbrella 360 will be returning in 2022 as a face-to-face event on the 20th and 21st of July at the Hilton Sydney and super early bird tickets are now on sale. Get exclusive access to all six stages, the innovative Expo Hall, fantastic networking opportunities, social events and more. So, if you work in the media and marketing industry, make sure you purchase your tickets now as there are only 100 super early bird tickets available. Go to mumbrella.com.au forward slash mumbrella360 to buy your discounted tickets now and we'll see you at Hilton Sydney next year. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Damien Francis, and joining me to break down the week in media and marketing for the 200th episode is Mumbrella's managing editor, Olivia Crimmel. Hello, Damien. Mumbrella editor at large, proprietor of Unmade, and the reason why we've done 200 episodes of the Mumbrella Cast, Tim Burrows. Damien, I only feel like 150. You only look 150. Bless you, sir. And Mumbrella Cast producer, beaming in from Melbourne, Callum Jaspin. Good afternoon. Sad I'm missing out on this uh, fully in-person recording. Later on, Cal is going to be talking to Omnicom Media Group CEO Peter Horgan and Foundation Managing Director Liz Wigmore about how the agency defines itself within the global group. So yeah, I think it would be more the independent agency is sort of where we see ourselves, um, you know, whilst at the same time very much backed and owned by, you know, a huge uh, company like Omnicom Media Group. Um, Umbrella exclusive on a big brand client win. And there's a new one that we haven't uh, disclosed to the market yet, uh, Callum, but um, I'm happy to do so here today. And whether OMG will be following a similar line to other groups when it comes to dealing with climate-emitting media owners. Sure. I don't think we'd, we'd ever be uh, uh, presumptive enough to uh, to direct clients where they should or shouldn't spend. You know, we fundamentally see our role as an, uh, as an agent. But before that, what news are we covering off today, Callum? Before we get onto that interview demo, we're going to be discussing Seven West Media's proposed acquisition of Prime Media for just over $130 million and the implications of that, uh, as well as another month of double-digit spend growth according to Standard Media Index. And in breaking news, just before we uh, jumped on this recording, Alan Jones will not be returning to Sky News next year, so we'll have a quick word on that one. Early Monday morning, Seven West Media announced that it had entered into a conditional agreement to acquire Prime Media Group, which will be subject to a vote from Prime's shareholders. The deal is worth $131.9 million and includes businesses and related assets of Prime. This came after news on Friday that Chairman of Prime Media Group, Ian McGill, had resigned from his post after eight months in the role. Non-executive director of the company, Cass O'Connor, and that's not to be confused with uh, O's Kath O'Connor, uh, has named uh, has been named as his replacement. MD and CEO of Seven West Media, James Warburton, said that the deal has the potential for the company to now reach more than 90% of the population each month. The buyout comes after ACM owners Anthony Catalano and Alex Wastelitz through WA Chess Investments twice increased their stake in Prime this year, creating speculation. The pair were looking to acquire Prime themselves. 
Tim, James Warburton has previously said the takeover would change the game for seven. So how significant is this deal now? Hey, look, I'm not sure it's the final shape of seven, but it's definitely a big step along the way. Uh, we, we're, we're deep in the next round of media consolidation right now. Um, what a fantastic deal it's proved to be, though. You know, as we're recording sort of three days on, share price is now up by a third for seven. That means that effectively Prime has cost them nothing because the company's value has grown by much more than it will be paying for Prime. So that's a win right there for seven. Now, obviously, share prices move move around. Um, what it does mean, obviously, for buyers is, you know, one potentially one phone call, which... You know, nine would argue they'd got to that point with win in the nine upfronts. They argued that one unified sales team there, but separate ownership still. Um, so yeah, look, at it, but it it still feels like this isn't where seven ends up. You know, they they're going to have to go even further into debt to to do this deal. So that's going to blow out. Um, and there are still a bunch of media orphans out there. So I. I, I I think this deal is essential to do whatever happens next. And of course, the other thing it makes very interesting is the affiliate conversations for uh, TENS, Zone, Viacom, CBS, and Southern Cross Austereo become interesting. And of course, one of the questions there was whether the the interest that Jared Villani kind of tentatively expressed in 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 buying southern cross well either either one of the assets of prime or southern cross now becomes a conversation just about southern cross potentially and he certainly didn't deny it when he spoke to you did he no the the hint seemed to, to be at the right price now the vibe in the market was that uh grant blackley as the ceo of southern cross Stereo, wanted from the view of buyers too high a multiple um on you know what people willing to offer whether he'll have to sharpen his pencil a little bit now is another matter but you, you've still got some potential creative tension because you know obviously the only network that could be in the market is 10 but Anthony Catalano is about to have a big pile of money from the sale of his prime shares and he's going to have to do something with them so that's an interesting one actually because I was going to just about ask you about that you, you've mentioned Possibly a, a good win for seven here, particularly with the share prices uh, as it is. Makes regional quite interesting uh, as well now, potentially a little bit clearer on what could possibly happen. But what does this now mean for the cat? So it certainly makes it look like good business for Anthony Catalano and Alice Wasteless through WA Chess Investments, which was the vehicle they were using, which I think some people thought that the name was some sort of play on them winding up Kerry Stokes, you know, sort of the WA chess. They were playing games with the billionaire. But in fact, that's not where the name comes from. It was um, Project Cashew was the name of Nine's project to sell Australian community media, which uh, which is what, what they ended up buying. Um, uh, and the uh, when they had to come up with a new name for the new company, they, uh, they, they took the letters of Project Cashew or Cashew and an anagram of that is WA Chess. So a little bit of media trivia there. Um, but yeah, so certainly what that means though is, I imagine the ACM deal is pretty much paid for now. So they're going to have a pile of money. Now, of course, they could just invest in new stuff, 
go harder in regional, Anthony Catalano from a kind of um, background are kind of classified. So just try and become, you know, a big classifieds player in, in real estate, in jobs, in cars, whatever. Or they could try and pick up something at the right price like um, Southern Cross's TV, regional TV operation and become the regional player. So there's a there's a couple of options open from there, um, which just sort of plays into this kind of fervid atmosphere at the moment where there's so much in play. Yeah, on one side it's made things a bit clearer and on another side it's opened up a, a lot more questions as well as to what's going to happen. Um, you touched on it just before. One phone call now for, for buyers uh, in terms of uh, seven and prime metro regional live uh, you spoke to to buyers the team spoke to buyers as well about uh, the deal uh, how have they been receiving it yeah we uh, spoke to some financial analysts and buyers actually and all of them were quite supportive of the deal a few did question the price initially which as tim's pointed out is now sort of not an issue because of the growth in share price for both prime and seven um, they did say it would put the seven in a better position to deliver on a consolidated media proposition. Um, interesting to note that the synergies were somewhere around the five to ten million, which is lower than what it was back in two thousand and nineteen, which was flagged by one of the analysts. So uh, James didn't really go into detail on that in terms of why that was uh, on the uh, on the call. Um, worth noting that Prime Media has this year led regional TV bookings uh, with a 30% share according to SMI data, uh, followed by Win and then um, S, uh, Southern Cross Stereo SEA. Um, overall, the, yeah, the buyers were very positive about it. Exciting era was one term we heard, you know, great, great acquisition, very positive for advertisers, you know, James himself said that it would halve um, a media buyer's and client's workload. So, you know, from that perspective, it must be seen as a positive for the market overall. Um, BVOD and digital was something that was flagged quite a lot as well in terms of the amalgamation of those, you know, two options there and how that would benefit um, in the long run. Um, James did make an interesting statement during the call with analysts saying that there's a twenty mil, oh, sorry, $90 million prize in metro markets for us to be number one, and this helps us get there. So that was an interesting statement given that Prime's obviously a regional play, but he was saying that this would also help them in the uh, metro markets. So just to round this one up, Tim, you said earlier, James, the job's not uh, done yet. There's more to come. What more do you, do you expect could come? Look, there, there are so many permutations right now. If I had to make a prediction, and this is not based on informed speculation, but just where the possibilities seem to fall, the big deal out there seems to me, the more I think about it, to, to be ARN's owner, HT&E, coming together in some way with QMS. So that, that if I had to make one prediction for, for this year, that would be it. Um, not sure what happened this year, but that's this that's this, this year's prediction. Um, Aaron, who of course sold their share of O recently as well. Yes, HT and E are in a dash for cash at the moment for some reason. HT and E, sorry, um, yeah. which 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 certainly suggests that they have a deal in mind. So they 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 they, they sold their stake in O Media on a good price, good profit taking, just like the cat. So it could just be that, but they also settled their deal with the ATO 
which gives them more money. They nearly got away the sale of their stake in Soprano, which, um, you know, this is potentially a really cashed up company. This for me is the only question that I can't quite figure out about QMS because it's uh, that that's owned by Quadrant. Private equity is who's the buyer and who's the seller in this arrangement because Quadrant have talked about how much they like radio and how well radio would fit with outdoor, which is what makes me think they would quite like exposure to ARN rather than the other way around. So, so that's why I have that theory. But equally, Seven still belongs with something else. Um, but then we have, you know, it looks like News Corp strategy for Foxtel is to move it towards an IPO. So that's probably, you know, if it goes that route, that's probably not the nece- necessarily the hookup. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of permutations. And the thing to remember is it's not as if the answer is already out there and somebody knows. This could go in a lot of different directions. We're going in a very certain direction, though, because coming up next, we're going to be discussing SMI numbers, which are up again in September. Australia has delivered yet another month of double-digit revenue growth according to the latest SMI figures, with ad spend for September up 15.5% on 2020 numbers. Q3 booking figures were also up 4.6% on 2019 levels, showing the buoyancy in the Australian market. AFL and NRL final series provided solid figures for TV media after both took place in October last year. However, ongoing lockdowns meant that outdoor bookings didn't have the same uptick, growing just 3.8%, while strong growth in search and social media ads been pushed digital's total bookings up 20.1%. Across the calendar year-to-date, total ad spend has grown 27% to $5.9 billion, which is 0.4% above the total recorded in the same period in the pre-COVID year of 2019. Uh, Tim, these are great figures on the surface, and as we mentioned, some of these figures are positive on 2019 uh, as opposed to the problematic 2020. But do you see this as a as a genuine recovery where we're back and everything's good, or is there a bit more to it than that? Not yet. Um, only and only some of those numbers are up in 2019. For the most part, not there yet. Also, you still get so much variance in the month to month in a normal year, anyway, but. Obviously, we, we we had that boost in August through the Olympics that brought a lot more spend into the market, particularly into television and even more particularly into seven. So we're we're still sort of settling into that in the September numbers we're looking at there. Um, I suspect that we'll actually have to go into the next financial year before we're looking back into sort of before times to actually have positive comparison. So it's really murky at the moment because you're not comparing like for like, but yeah, certainly I would, I would say we've hit bottom and we're coming out the other side, but we're not where we were. And look, we're, we're going to be dealing with some sort of sketchiness in how uh, society kind of gets back for a little while longer. Uh, of course, New South Wales, the plan is, is quite set. Uh, WA is going to be announcing something tomorrow uh, Victoria, again, the plan is quite set. So it's all slowly coming together now. Uh, but Liv, the sentiment for the, the run to the end of the year in particular, that sort of sketchy end to the year that, that we're sort of in at the moment, uh, what's that been like? Yeah, the feedback from the industry is that everyone is very optimistic about a big run to the end of the year and lots of spend in the uh, last quarter of the year. 
Um, A couple of factors contributing to that. Firstly, the return of certain advertisers who have been absent for the best part of six months, i.e. travel, tourism, et cetera, um, because of lockdowns and border closures. And so with them returning to advertising and to spending, uh, that's expected to give a bit of an uplift. Uh, Additionally, there's always the Christmas, you know, run to the Christmas period is also always busy from a marketing perspective. So buyers are very, very optimistic is probably the best way to describe it. Um, It is obviously the the NRL and AFL finals gave that, you know, recent figures a boost, um, which they may not have otherwise had given that the two main states were in lockdown during that period. Um, And it's also worth to note that Uh, government spend had been significant in those periods earlier this year, so including September, Um, but that's now trailing off. So all of the COVID-19 vaccinations, campaigns, et cetera, that contributed to the SMI data and and we're starting to see that really trail off now. So that may have an impact going forward. Hopefully it is replaced by, i.e. travel, tourism, automotive, et cetera, as those industries start to pick up again. And then just sort of lastly, you know, there's um, one area to look at in particular, I suppose, within it is, although it is only a small sector, is the cinema spend. And that's expected to jump significantly with cinemas returning in in New South Wales and Victoria. And in particular, a lot of big movies coming out in the last months of the year. Um, Obviously, we've got Bond about to release after a very significant delay. (laughs) So hopefully for the cinemas, it does mean that, you know, people will be looking to venture out again now that lockdowns have ended and uh, looking to spend their dollars there. So there's a lot happening and there's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there, there were reports as well of, of uh, consumers having to get in very early for Christmas gifts and things like that with the deliveries and that obviously has a knock-on effect for, for brands. They've got to get in earlier. So an interesting end to the year. Uh, Tim, as you mentioned before as well, maybe we won't see a, a full recovery till the next financial year as but I want to ask you both uh, quite quickly on, on your predictions for the next year. In my mind, this could potentially lead to a, a busy pitch year next year. But uh, Tim, how do you see it? Look, I'm not sure that pitches will necessarily be driven by the economy. I could be wrong about that. Um, and I'm always a pessimist about the economy. I I have been for the last 15 years and I've been right once. Um, <laughs> Good strike rate. <laughs> You were were the only one happy about the GFC, weren't you? (laughs) I I was the one who spent years telling them we really should sell Mumbrella while we can. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, in the end, the black swan comes along if you wait long enough. Um, I I am, as usual, a pessimist. I I think that as interest rates go up, that's going to be bad for the economy. Um, I... um, think that's probably bad for marketing because marketing is always a lead indicator for the economy. So, um, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to return to my usual pessimistic self. He'll, he'll be watching from afar. <laughs> oh, look, I'll, I'll be mostly based in the UK by that point where things will be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic uh, that RBA interest rates rising. The main factor that that will impact on is is house prices. And to be honest, that's probably something that we need a correction of sorts to happen in um, across the country. It's not just Sydney, Melbourne, uh, although those two markets have obviously had significant growth in the past 12 months. But a lot of them, 
you know, brands and a lot of the agencies we've been speaking to, one of the things of note which has come out in a lot of the data is the fact that people have actually got loads of savings. People have been hoarding their money in the past 12 months. Um, provided they've had a job, they're not, they haven't been going out, they haven't been going on holidays, they haven't been commuting, they haven't been, you know, making those incidental spending decisions in the bulk of the year. So all of these cashed up consumers are now ready to pounce and want to go and spend. So I think marketers are seeing that savings as a an indicator that there is, there is money in the economy, they just need to get it. So it's it's becoming more of a who's going to get the money rather than the fact that the pie is not there to begin with. So I think that's that may drive pitch activity in terms of agencies going, well, we need to be the one that's front of mind so that the client then comes to us because they're also betting on getting that that spend from consumers. So they need to be front of mind in front of consumers. So it, it could lead to a bit of pitch activity. You've convinced me, I've changed my mind. <laughs> but but also it is, yeah, it, is, it will be interesting to see what sectors people, now that they are free to roam about and do whatever they want again, um, it will be interesting to see which sectors then see the real benefit of that with the funds that people have been hoarding. Well, I've just bought a new driveway. So marketers, <laughs> you don't need to target me. Uh, don't waste your money on that one. We, you know, renovating a house in Sydney at the moment is absolutely horrendous in terms of the cost. So I feel your pain. <laughs> don't target anyone on this podcast. Coming up next, we'll quickly touch on the breaking news that Alan Jones won't be returning to Sky News next year. Uh, this one has landed on the, the desk just before we started recording the Mumbrella cast. So no fancy intro here. The headline kind of speaks for itself. Alan Jones won't be returning to Sky News next year. He's turned down the offer of a new contract in a different time slot, uh, as well as the opportunity to potentially appear on the new Flash streaming service. Uh, this is quite fresh and, and there could be more information that comes to hand in the coming hours. But Tim, your thoughts? Firstly, it's what's not in there, which is the word retiring. So certainly this, you can take that signal from Alan Jones. That's not what his plan is. Um, he ended up at Sky News after finishing up at 2GB. There was a there was a period where he was locked out from doing radio and audio. I would imagine that has probably expired by now, which makes him available again. Um, looking at his long statement, you know, he's got lots of met. You 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 realize you're really scraping the metrics when you're talking about the number of searches on the on the words Alan Jones uh, on Google. Um, whereas the correct metric is how did it help for retaining subscribers to uh, to Foxtel, where where, where Sky News lives. Um, so that that's interesting the fact that he got it out there first is absolutely out of the playbook of his manager nick fordham very good manager it's what you do you play the pr game um it really reminds me i as as, as you might have seen i i wrote my review this morning of uh, another one of nick fordham's clients uh, lisa wilkinson and her book which uh, published this week and it talks in a lot of depth about how she and nick handled their negotiations with nine which eventually um, just like this time uh, resulted in her leaving the today show this time we've got alan jones leaving they've got the announcement first last time i know what happened was lisa got the announcement out first and then a few hours later got the announcement out first that she was joining 10 the project so 
as we record, that second announcement hasn't come. Um, if it wasn't there, then I would be amazed if Nick Fordham, being the good manager that he has, hasn't already been reaching out to Southern Cross Osterio and Listener. They've already got uh, Steve Price with Australia Today as a, 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 a national audio product. Um, that becomes a lot more interesting product if you were to have Alan Jones on it as well. So um, I'm not saying that's what the plan is, but you'd think they'd be mad not to be having that conversation. Coming up next, Cal chats with Foundation's Liz Wigmore and OMG's Peter Horgan. Peter Horgan, CEO of Omnicom Media Group Australia and Liz Wigmore, General Manager of Foundation. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. Thanks, Callum. Thanks, Callum. Nice to see you. You too. Well, a good place to start would be, I guess, the, the real focus of this podcast, which is Foundation. Liz, uh, I think I would be correct in saying you've been at Foundation for 13 years and yeah. leading it for five. Uh, so two IC for five and then agency leader for the last 12 months. So uh, do it, it's previously been described as a more boutique offering in, in the Omnicom Media Group, but with clients now such as Mercedes-Benz, Diageo and HSBC, hardly kind of boutique brands. Where, how would you describe Foundation now and why is, I guess, now the time for the agency to be stepping out of sorts? Yeah, so the way I would describe the agency is probably more akin to an independent agency than a boutique one. Um, and I think that's a real um, strength that we that we have in market in so far that the spirit of the agency, the operational style of the agency is very similar to that that you would see in an independent agency. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, really seeing your talent um, on all our clients' business, you know, really in the day to day. Um, so very much immersed in, you know, what our clients are working on, their challenges um, and how we can help solve that for them and, and importantly, how we how we're performing for them as well. Um, and that sort of independent agency, I suppose, operational style really allows us to um, have a very bespoke model for all our clients as well. So, again, you know, a, a very akin to an independent agency. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be more the independent agency is sort of where we see ourselves, um, you know, whilst at the same time very much backed and owned by, you know, a huge um, company like Omnicom Media Group. I, I, I add there as well, if, if, we're on, if we're on the bees, I think uh, boutique is pigeonholing. Bespoke, I think, captures it really well. And I'll, I'll, I'll lob in just because it's a bee, best of both worlds. You, uh, yeah. um, you know, you, you've got the nimbleness of a, uh, of a smaller a smaller entity. Uh, it's a it's a big bet for uh, for Omnicom uh, yeah. going forward under under Liz's Liz's watch, um, able to uh, tailor its offering uh, for uh, for for blue chip clients as it's as it's proven over the last uh, especially over the last twelve months, uh, but with the backing of uh, uh, of Omnicom with all the uh, all the all the resources and uh, and capabilities that, that live in the group. Yeah. So you, you recently retained that Mercedes um, account. Was this is this start of something going forward in a new phase of foundation? I would say we've been in that phase already for some time. So um, you know, retaining Mercedes Benz is absolutely um, a huge business moment. Uh, it's a special place in the heart of the agency. It was our first client. Um, you know, but certainly over the last eighteen months, you know, the agency has seen you know really solid growth. Um, you know, beyond Mercedes, which is, uh, I think, healthy um, for the agency and for the talent um, and, and for Mercedes. 
Um, and so I think, you know, that, um, that era is already here. Um, but it, it was a really special win to see that, that account stay with us after 17 years. Um, it's very special to the agency, um, I, 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 I will admit. Yeah, and I'd be interested just to for you if you could talk us through some of the other um, clients that Foundation have. You know, we touched on a few of them earlier. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, so where will I start? I'll start. I'll, I'll try and go alphabetical. Um, so we've got <laughs> very neutral. Um, so Daimler, obviously Mercedes Benz, uh, we've already talked about. Then we've got Diageo, um, who's been with us um, just on eighteen months. Um, we've got uh, HSBC, um, which has been with the agency for um, going on four or five years. Um, um, Sanofi, who we, uh, we won as part of the Omnicom appointment um, earlier on in 2021, which has been a really amazing client relationship to embed this year. Um, and there's a new one that we haven't uh, disclosed to the market yet, uh, Callum, which um, I'm happy to do so here today. Um, which is Red Bull Australia, uh, which we're super proud of um, to have another big global iconic brand um, come into our agency village um, and already really fun to work on. And, um, you know, um, it lives up to its uh, energy reputation in terms of uh, the account so far, which we're really enjoying. So, yeah, that's the, 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 the global cohort that we, we look after. So, yeah, some really great brands there. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that one. And um, being, you know, this kind of more independently minded uh, agency, as you say, the kind of bespoke offering, does that come into account when I guess you have these kind of global pitches running? How, how does how does it how does foundation play into that kind of global strategy? I'll take it in, in um, a couple of parts there. So I think, you know, Mercedes-Benz has been our client um, for 17 years. So I think that was not us, you know, you know, being called into a global pitch. You know, we were and are the, the incumbent from, from way back. Um, I think the Red Bull Australia um, account win is definitely um, a local appointment. So whilst global brand, it's, it's a local appointment here. Um, and then, you know, I might hand to Hawks in terms of um, how we also play up uh, play a role for, for the group on some of the other global brands i think look the um the the inference is uh that uh the foundation might be might be there for uh for conflict on the on the on the global um uh, on the global appointments but it's it's not the case the team the team have proven themselves as a as an absolute go-to for for winning winning new business and surprising and delighting uh, <laughs> uh, both domestic and uh, and global clients uh, so, so, you know, our, our philosophy is to, is to try and match the uh, uh, match the capabilities uh, and the chemistry uh, to yeah. the uh, to, to, to the brief, which is uh, uh, which mm. is where Liz's team has, uh, has has stepped up on on all these uh, on all these global appointments in the last uh, in the last twelve months. And Hogs, how do you, how do you kind of see Foundation uh, pushing on from here? Where, where does it go, and where do you kind of see the agency in five years' time? It's going to be the largest agency in the uh, in the planet, and uh, <laughs> and that's uh, that's obviously uh, Liz's, Liz's KPI. It's look, um, look, scale is scale is not the uh, is is not the be and all and end all for us as as we've uh, as we've often said. It's about capability development uh, and and growth of our remit with our existing clients. You know where we can where we can show up and solve more more of the marketing. Uh, uh, 
challenges and help the marketing fraternity of our clients win within their own co corporate environments um, is uh, is our absolute objective. So you know the uh, uh, the old vanity project of uh, of trying to move move on and befriend different um, entities within the corporate uh, structure. It's 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 not our ambition at all. It is uh, it is fundamentally to help marketers um, make business cases, uh, demonstrate return on investment, and uh, and prosper within that, their own environments. And I might just add there that I think um, you know where we really um, you know appreciate our, our role in the group and what Omnicom asks of us is that it's really sustainable growth. Um, and I think that's really important to maintain, you know, what is special about us and what our clients see and feel as special about us. And we want to really protect and retain that. So, yeah, sustainable growth, I think, is also um, something that we really appreciate from the group. Awesome. Um, well, I guess speaking of sustainable uh, sustainable yeah. growth, uh, it, I, I thought it'd be interesting to to kind of as as it is a topic that is kind of dominating the headlines at the moment um, with the, the federal government's net zero twenty fifty plan being just announced and Australia kind of coming under the microscope for its somewhat mm. lethargic climate policy, as you might be able to describe it. Um, I'd be interested to to hear your thoughts on how the, the relationship between agencies and media owners is going to kind of develop in the coming years and how that plays into strategy. I know a couple of months ago, um, Group M Global CEO Christian Jewell was talking about uh, Group M kind of directing brands to pull spend from media vendors that don't meet clean uh, climate targets. How do you see that kind of playing into strategy in the in the coming years? Whoever would like to, Hogs, would you like to? Sure. I don't think we'd, we'd ever be uh, presumptive enough to uh, to direct clients where they should or shouldn't spend. You know, we fundamentally see our role as an uh, as an agent to uh, uh, to help clients navigate uh, an ever an ever more complex um, paid earned and owned um, landscape. Um, I think that our our role as as trusted advisor is is to talk to clients about brand suitability. Uh, their appetite for risk uh, and where they where they should be showing up and potentially where where that where that risk may uh, uh, may um, uh, be best to uh, to stay away from and uh, and I think you know that's a that's a collaborative ex exercise between uh, uh, between the agent as sort of uh, as the pilot or navigator and uh, and the uh, and the brand custodian, who uh, who ultimately wears the, wears the responsibility of uh, of benefit and and potential fallout. I think that said, um, the appetite um, among uh, initially uh, government blue chip enterprise businesses are now are now uh, becoming uh, uh, more universal across uh, the corporate landscape. Is that there are expectations that um, uh, that suppliers and that's agencies and that flows on to me media owners have uh, have their have their own uh, uh, carbon uh, carbon offset uh, roadmaps and uh, and again that's that's something we're working on with clients working on with uh, uh, with media owners and vendors uh, and of course within uh, within our own business. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, several of the holdcos have kind of made these public. Um, Kind of targets is that something that you prefer just to kind of be working on with the stakeholders that are relevant rather than making 
those kind of public statements? Yeah, look, there's 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 global statements being made there, and we're obviously working on our working on our domestic um, our domestic ambitions as well uh, within that. And you know, important important stakeholders there, not only clients but uh, but staff, and staff are incredibly passionate uh, about uh, understanding uh, our ambitions and how we and how we show up as good corporate citizens, not only on the sustainability front, but on the uh, Diversity, equity, and inclusion front, where uh, where again Omnicom has been a, a leader, a leader in the marketplace, and it's it's really for doing doing the right thing, uh, from the business re- reasons of accessing a uh, a broader ta- a broader t- uh, t- talent pool, uh, but also um, uh, reflecting the uh, the importance of uh, of these initiatives to uh, a- across our across our staff uh, and our talent base. Liz, I'd be interested to get your thoughts being kind of on that um, direct line into into clients that you work mm. with. Is that mm. is, is this something that clients are really kind of pinpointing? Sustainability, absolutely. Like I was uh, chatting to, um, you know, some of our leadership team and even to Halls most recently where, you know, we're seeing the sustainability piece come up really, really loudly in our briefs for next year in terms of, you know, we've got these clients that have got these commitments globally to, you know, have roadmaps to 2030 net carbon, you know, um, neutral. So what we're doing in the marketing space and how we're spending a dollar is a big part of what they're really aware of. So absolutely, we're seeing that play out. Um, and it's not that we're, you know, necessarily, uh, to Hawks's point, you know, choosing, you know, media owners, but it, it's the questions that are coming up around awareness, around what are our media partners doing for their sustainability, what are we doing for our sustainability that's really coming through, um, you know, really loudly. And the diversity and inclusion, um, you know, we've got um, some of our brands that have got, you know, dedicated investment, um, you know, um, budgets that are activated to um, really help support underrepresented voices. Um, So it's a very deliberate, with money behind it, commitment in market. So absolutely. And are there any kind of, um, I guess, industry trends that you can see kind of bubbling up that are looking to be emerging in the next coming year? Yeah, I, I, I think all all of the uh, the, the agency Holcos uh, um, and Indies are, are sort of looking at um, the emergence of uh, of the consultancies uh, and the and the push into uh, uh, the push into sort of traditional agency uh, space um, and. And I think there's, it's been a sort of a maybe a, a five a five year journey, but I think it's uh, it's it's accelerating, and uh, I think the uh, the emphasis on getting uh, your own data strategy, access to localized localized data feeds to help with uh, uh, personalization ambitions for for clients uh, is where uh, is where a lot of agencies uh, are, are putting are putting focus going going forward. Uh, from an Omnicom perspective, on top of that, we're, we're uh, we'll be dub- doubling down on the uh, on measurement initiatives uh, to help uh, help clients close the uh, the ROI uh, ROI gap. And I think I, th- I think more more broadly, uh, um, uh, ag- agencies are, are pushing into consultancy capabilities, uh, 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 including uh, including Martech implementation. And I think you know where they. Where they can win there is the ability to uh, activate off the back of um, of our recommendations. I'm talking about agencies uh, per se here uh, versus consultancies, uh, not just Omnicom. Uh, 
and prove or disprove uh, the uh, the performance of of our recommendation and and advice. And I think that is a fundamental difference between uh, how agencies can show up and be accountable and held accountable, uh, and consultancies who uh, who tend to stop uh, once the advice is delivered. Yeah. And, and Liz, do you think, um, I guess, also moving into 2022, that uh, in, in terms of channels, do you think the digital will kind of continue to expand its slice of the pie? Yeah, I do. Um, we're seeing that very clearly already, um, you know, um, in, in our work, in the performance, in the delivery um, and in, you know, what clients are also looking for as well. So I think, um, you know, there's been obviously a very kind of disrupted couple of years um, in media and, and channel utilisation with COVID playing out. So and I think the digital um, channel sphere, um, I think, is really compelling for clients, um, you know, with some of that. Uh, recent memory that it's much more nimble to be able to move around and react to, um, especially as, um, you know, un unexpected moments present to us. So I think there's a couple of reasons that really um, support um, an uptick in that investment um, area. Well, I might jump in there. It's been, uh, it's been particularly pleasing to, uh, to watch the, uh, the domestic uh, uh, options fight back this year. You know, we've sort of been through the uh, been through all the upfronts, um, uh, seven, nine, ten, and uh, and Foxtel today, uh, co coincidentally, and all of them um, investing in and showcasing their personalization capabilities and their their investment in in data and their own uh, uh, data and tech ecosystems. Uh, and their willingness to open open those up uh, for advertisers and to collaborate with uh, uh, with agencies, I think, is uh, is an important foil uh, to the uh, to the global to the global players. Uh, mm. and, and I'm sure something the global players would, would, would welcome as a, as healthy domestic competition. Yeah. Do, do you think that's potentially overdue, or is it something that is just a necessary adaptation, as you say? Look, I think um, everything's overdue uh, in the from the perspective that it's all moving so fast. But uh, you know, if you're late, the uh, the second best time to start versus a couple of years ago is right now. And then, uh, I guess uh, a future discussion will maybe be uh, this uh, this new buzzword of the metaverse but maybe we'll save that for another time how, <laughs> how you're looking to get into that um well liz and hogs it's been great having you on the podcast today thanks so much for joining me thanks cal pleasure cal have a great day see you later and that's it for this week tim Liv, cal thank you so much for joining me happy 200th episode everyone the best out of all the 200 tim Easily, Damo. Easily. All thanks to your superior presentation skills. Oh, I was going to suggest as much, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> Liv, thank you too <laughs> for being involved. Same with you, Callum. Thank you all. I'll Cheers, jump Liv. off my high horse now. Yeah.